You're listening to the Watling and Owen Show. Hello and welcome to another Watling and Owen Show. Matt Watling, Luke Owens, back from our, uh, were we off last week, a one-week hiatus? Nope, we were not off last week, but uh, it's a great show, you should wait, listen. Wait, we, we had a show last week? Oh yeah, baby, we had a show Oh, that's last right, week. I did it from, from the undisclosed location, oh, that is my parents' house. Yes. That's right. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the anesthesia is still wearing off from the toe surgery or something, but you got to remember these things. Look, we've got a great show today, nonetheless. Uh, Possibly a reason why I I don't remember that show is, in fact, the toe procedure I had, which is I've got to apologize to Aaron Judge later in the show and his toe injury and, you know, going through my own experience with, in fact, a pretty major, pretty significant toe situation. Uh, I learned a lot about myself and how you know, the toe reacts and how important the big toe actually is. So we'll get to that later on the show. Luke, Derek Rose, no longer a Nick. You kind of thought, you know, the ordinary fan might've been like, oh yeah, it makes sense. He hasn't played in forever, but there's actually a bigger meaning beyond the Knicks not, not signing that player option and not being able to match things up financially when it comes to a possible trade this off season. And also Luke, the Mets, that was a rough weekend. For that team and, and and yesterday kind of capped it off and I think we'll start there because this is a team that typically handles the Phillies pretty well we talked about it last week this was a great get right weekend for them and it didn't work out and there's a myriad of really really disappointing kind of circumstances that came from yesterday and it starts with who started the game because you could add Verlander on normal rest on Sunday but you go with Carlos Carrasco that was who was slated to go it makes sense it's normal and that's fine. But the issue is, is that Buck Showalter knew he didn't have his top three relievers. And when you don't have those guys, and you're going with a lesser starter, and you only pitch him four innings, that eighth inning isn't too surprising. Because you didn't have any length from your starter, what you, was what, which is what you needed in that game. You had no depth in your bullpen, and the team fell apart in the eighth inning. But you did have depth in your bullpen, right? That's the problem, is that David Robertson was was able to pitch. He was ready to pitch. And Buck Showalter doesn't bring him up until the ninth inning when they're losing. Like, he was like, okay, we're trying to save him for the safe situation. Well, there's not going to be a safe situation if you blow the game in the eighth. And especially with the Mets bullpen right now. Like, I get it. Adovino and Robertson are kind of your only two guys in high-leverage spots right now. But even if you have you know, an established closer, sometimes you have to put him in, in the biggest spot. It's not about just pitching the ninth inning because that was the biggest spot. That was their best hitters in the lineup. That was the, the, the most high leverage outs in the game. And you don't bring David Robertson in. So it, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I think this is one of the, it, it seems to happen a little bit more often now recently, but I remember a few, you know, a few weeks ago when we were like, okay, maybe it's time to let Buck Showalter go. There was like, well, there's not really a lot of evidence. It's more so like, okay, let's just see if we can, you know, get something sparked here. Well, now you have a little bit of evidence of this was a very poorly managed game from Buck Showalter. Yeah, this was an atrocity. And I'm okay with having Carrasco start. Like, it makes sense. That's his day to start. You're not going to start going willy-nilly and, and, and mismatching things. But to pull him after four innings, he wasn't getting shelled. He gave up two runs on 78 pitches. Like, you've got to know that if you don't have Robertson and you're not comfortable giving him more than one inning, you've got to push your guy. And Carrasco's a veteran. He's not a great pitcher, but could he have given you one more inning at, you know, one more earned run? Like, I'll take that. They didn't pull him in in such a high-leverage situation that he couldn't go. 
And, and that was the most frustrating for me is because you said to yourself as Buck Showalter, I don't have Adovino or Rayleigh. And I want to get five innings, 15 outs with my bullpen. That's not possible. This bullpen isn't good enough. And you go back to a couple of years ago in the, the wild card game when he was the GM, uh, the manager of the Orioles, and he doesn't bring in Britain. This is a this is a similar situation, but the difference is the the difference from Britain to the guy that they brought in was not as drastic as the Robertson to what they had in the eighth inning yesterday. I mean, you're bringing in guys that, and it's not like the Phillies batted the ball super well. They just stood there and took it. Like you and I could have gone up and got and brought those runs in, those four runs in the eighth inning, three walks, two hit by pitches. You know, one guy reached on an error from Brett Beatty. It just it was astonishing to to even see and to even look back on earlier today, and the fact that this is your this is the worst loss season for this team, and the season's kind of been over for the last month. But if you wanted any chance of getting back into it, you've got to manage every single game like it's must win because at this point it is must win, and there's just there's no urgency in this team. Like where is the fire from Buck Showalter? Where is the the urgency that this team needs to go on a run? Because the Braves had that. They had some semblance of urgency. And all last season, they were in a playoff spot, basically, if I'm not mistaken. Like, they struggled, but they weren't to this level. I mean, this is bad, Luke. This is really, really bad. And it's starting to kind of make sense why this team is where it is. You relied on aging pitchers that were expected to run it back and be as good as they were last year. That's a hard thing to do for 38-year-olds and 40-year-olds. You expected every single guy that you brought back this year to have another career year. Nimmo was great last year, and he's been fine this year, right? Alonzo was very good last year, and he's been fine this year. Lindor was arguably better than he is this year. And then you go to, you know, McNeil and Marte and all these guys that were supposed to be what they were last year, but if you look at their careers, they're not those guys. And when all those guys take a small step back from the career best year that they had, this is what you get. A really mediocre team that can't seem to put the pitching to the hitting and the hitting to the pitching. Yeah, and I think going back to this Buck Showalter thing as well, you know, you said you wanted that fire. Well, the fire finally came out, and it's at the wrong time. Like, and it wasn't directed at his players. It was directed at reporters. Like, after the game, Buck Show, like, I said a couple weeks ago, I'm sick of the Buck Showalter, oh, you know, ho-hum, you know, proud of the guys, you know, after they lose to the Braves, oh, proud of the team, blah, blah, blah. Well, now he's snapping for apparently no, like, they ask him about, you know, who's starting on Tuesday? And he's like, do you want to know what day you're going to die? Like, like he, he just takes it to the other extreme. You can see the frustration starting to set in with him, which is like, okay, you want to see some fire out of him, but now it's directed in the wrong place. And I think an interesting tweet I saw earlier today, Matt, and I don't know if you put much stock into this. Maybe we shouldn't. But essentially, the Mets, since the Pete Alonso F-bomb, have fallen off a cliff, right? Before that, they're in a playoff spot. They're above 500. Since the F-bomb, since Buck Showalter allegedly told Pete Alonso or talked to him about it, they've lost a lot of games. You mentioned that fire. I wonder, you know, could that be correlated where it's like, okay, Pete Alonso's now been put, you know, on a leash, so to speak. So he's kind of a little bit dialed back. The rest of the team's dialed back. I don't know, but that's one of the things about being a manager in 2023. It's kind of those little decisions that end up being, you know, your job or not. I, I don't think that's part of it. Like he like Alonzo knows he's not supposed to curse on a hot mic. Like you can say whatever you want in the locker room. Like, so when I look at that situation and the vibe I got from it, 
it was Buck Showalter going to Alonzo the next day or after the game saying, dude, like, just don't, just don't do that again. Like, this wasn't him laying into Pete Alonzo. He didn't say anything harmful. He just said a curse word. It wasn't like an epithet or a slur or things like that that would actually cause, you know, serious problems. It was, it was the F-bomb. Like, that's not a thing you should be saying, but I, I don't see that as an issue. I, I think that just kind of coincides. Well, the team wasn't that great when he said the F-bomb. So, I, I don't see it. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree with you. I just thought it was an interesting tweet. I don't think it's correlated either. I mean, also, like, Pete Alonso got hurt shortly after that, too, which didn't help the team and everything like that. But, look, I think an interesting aspect that happened over the weekend is, you know, they traded Eduardo Escobar to the Angels, which, you know, good for them. That's a really good move. They got players. Yeah, they got players for him, which was nice to move him off. And it was the right move. But then, you know, Brett Beatty makes a costly error yesterday in the eighth, which it's going to happen. Like, we want to see the rookies play. But now it's, you know, it makes sense now because let's be honest, they're out of the division. They're probably out of the wild card, to be honest. So it makes sense that they moved him. But now when you have the kids playing, you know, things like that are going to happen. I like the accountability from Brett Beatty after the game. He said, you know, this loss is on me. Let's be honest. It's not completely on him. Uh, The bullpen did literally just walk and hit their way to loss there but you know those things are are bound to happen now so i'm glad we're going to see the young guys but in the same vein like you're you're also going to maybe have some of these rookie mistakes but also like that's going to happen and and i like the move because escobar is not a bench player like he's a guy to be playing close to every single day and when he loses that role the best thing this team just did is acquire assets they can flip at the deadline if they want i don't know if you're getting i don't know if you're trading escobar for a player that can help your team right away. But what you did is you got two nice pieces. They're top 20 prospects in your system and in what was the Angels system. And you can unload them if you want to be competitive. And, and look, like, could this team still make a run? I get, I guess, right? Like, they have the pieces to, to go on a run. Not for the division. That's basically gone. You're already 15 games back of Atlanta. But you're eight games back of the wild card. And you've got half a season left. Now, I'm not, I'm not as high on this team as I am on the Yankees, and we'll get to them in a little bit. But could this team, Luke, go on a run? I could see it. Will it happen? No. Do I think it will? No. But to get those pieces to then be able to offload and really push at the deadline, I think is a really, really savvy move by by Billy Epler. Well, I mean, the question if you know the Mets are out of it or not is, do you believe that Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander can find it? Because frankly, if they don't find it, they have no chance. I mean, the rest of the rotation isn't good. Their bullpen stinks. And you brought up a great point with Carrasco. It's like, how could you not push him further when you know what your bullpen situation is? Like, if Verlander and Scherzer aren't giving you seven, eight innings, you're screwed. Because if you if they can go seven and you hand it to Ottavino and Robertson, you're like, okay, we got a chance here. But if they go five, six, let up three runs, you got no chance. Because the Mets offense, it's been better lately. Like, it's kind of found its way. Lindor's not good in terms of batting average, but he has hit a lot of home runs. He has drove in some guys. So the offense hasn't been the big problem, but the pitching is the main issue. So If you think those two guys are just having a blip on the radar, then sure. But I'm really worried about it because I think Max Scherzer is is pretty much cooked. I don't see him stepping up. I think Verlander, you know, he had a rough outing his last one. We'll see how he pitches tonight. I think Verlander is okay. And we saw last year that he had a great year. I don't think that's completely gone. I do think with with Max Scherzer, he had the dead arm the year before they acquired him. Like, that was definitely a red flag. And then last year, you could see he got tired on the stretch, didn't perform in the playoffs. So... That's the question. I, I think they're cooked just because I don't believe in Max Scherzer, and I don't think Justin Verlander at this point is enough for the for them to be carried into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I sit here now, and I agree with you. Could things change? Perhaps. 
but it's incredible to watch just it's not only like the one of the worst falloffs in, in Mets history, but possibly in the history of sports. Like a team with this payroll that came off a one hundred and one win season last year. It's it's really impressive to see the complete change basically overnight. And the, the roster is not different. And we talked about it in the offseason. This team didn't get much better with what they added. But I didn't think they got worse. I still thought they would have been, you know, a 90-ish win team, kind of like the Yankees, a 90-ish plus win team, a team that you would expect to make the plus with ease, maybe win the division. And, you know, the plus are a crapshoot. You kind of like your top three uh, arms, you know, starting-wise. And, and when you have two guys like Verlander and Scherzer, or two guys you thought would be what they what they were, you have a chance. And, and that just hasn't been the case with this team this year. And, you know, last week, Luke, I think we even talked about firing Buck. And I didn't see an avenue for it. And you kind of mentioned this earlier. I could see the avenue for that happening now. And, and I think it starts with last night. And I think it starts with the idea that is this team just not responding to him? And is that why he's not reacting fiery? Has he lost the locker room? And, and look, I don't know. I don't cover the team. But I could see, I can see that picture. I can see him having lost the locker room. And I wonder, as, as a side piece to this, how much did the Alonzo injury hurt Alonzo in so far that he can't really be the leader this team wants or the leader that he likes to be when he's not playing? Yeah, and I mentioned it, you know, last week as well. Like, did was he rushed back? Like, is he ready? He hasn't really performed to the same level he was pre-injury. And maybe, you know, it's because he didn't get rehab and, he, and he's working his way back. But, yeah, I, I think with Buck Showalter, look – like, is it worth it at this point in the year to fire him? Or do you wait till the end of the year, get rid of him? I'm not, I honestly, I don't know how, what his contract is. I'm assuming he probably has a couple of years left. He did just win manager there last year, but maybe you see who else gets fired, see who else is available and do it then. I mean, cause here's the thing. Here's my worry, Matt. If you fire Buck Showalter, say you bring in like the bench, you know, you yeah, like bring Carlos, in like Carlos Beltran is, is, no, not Carlos no? Beltran. I'm saying if you bring in just a random, right? Like this, and he catches fire and they make the playoffs, then you're in a sticky spot because you kind of have to give him the job. Like, look what the, what the Phillies had to do with Rob Thompson. Yeah, they've been okay this year, but was he a guy they would have given a huge deal to? But did he? I don't think if, he got a huge deal, did he? Like, yeah, but he, he kept the job. But how much does a manager even matter? I, it, that's. Right, I mean, like that's the question. Okay, so let's say it's I know you said not Carlos Beltran. Let's say it's Carlos Beltran for fun. And they go on a tear and they make the plus and they go on a little run and they make it to the NLCS. Does it matter who the manager is for that team? Like they're they're pretty veteran heavy in a sense. I mean they've got some young pieces, but Lindor's a guy that's been around the block for a while. Alonzo seems to know what he's doing. Nimmo's a, a pro's pro. He's a guy that works hard and that kind of thing can be um contagious in a sense does it matter who's really managing this team if it's Beltron or whoever well I think the the question of does it matter it matters for the Mets because right now it's you know yeah he he gets all the information and everything but he is a little bit more old school so the question is you know do they go full analytics or do they go with a high like what's the the move there I guess that's the question like for the Yankees it matters at all i think it's all just managing personalities in the locker room who likes the manager things like that I've tried to go with the buck show walter route which i think we both liked at the time but now 
it seems to have run its course. So the question is, you know, will the next guy matter? And just to put a bow on Alonzo, I think he's something like five for 29 since coming back from injury, which is not great. It's not awful, but it's definitely a step back of what you'd expect from him. So that's a struggle for this team. And, and why don't we get to the Yankees, Luke? And, and I'll, yes. I'll finally I'll apologize to Aaron Judge. A couple weeks ago, I said it's a toe injury. It's not a big deal. Well, last Tuesday, I, I had toe surgery, Luke. I had a procedure done. Had to get the big toe figured out. Nothing, nothing too serious. It's not you know a torn ligament like Aaron Judge has. But the 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 swelling makes it really hard to walk. The the it's it's a tough injury. You know, you, you bump your toe into something, and I had done that earlier in the week, and you basically are crippled for for at least five minutes. Like you're not, I'm not moving for five minutes. So I'd like to apologize to Aaron Judge and his family. Take all the time you need to get back, and 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 Luke. Now it sounds like he's got a torn ligament in his big in his right big toe. It's his back foot where he pushes off of a lot of weight starts on that foot and transfers to the front foot when he goes to swing the bat. And that's a really deflating injury for a team that just took four to six against two teams that are are, are pretty good. The Mariners not in a, are in the play, wild card mix, I, I think, and the Rangers are leading their division. So that's a, that's a nice couple wins. But the news to Aaron Judge really takes a step back. Yeah, it's pretty pretty damning for the Yankees. I mean, I I, I don't want to be this guy, Matt. I really don't. But I've never felt worse about a team that just won two straight series. Like, I, there's not really a lot of juice there. Yesterday, look, if you take the eighth inning and you expand it over the course of a game of two games of a series, I'm feeling pretty good, right? You got Anthony Volpe hit a double who, by the way, since the chicken parm dinner has been very good. Um, you know, Harrison Bader follows that up with a clutch double. John Carlos Stanton drives Bader. Like, that was a nice inning. Like, that's an inning where, like, okay, they still have the pieces. But over the rest of the weekend in the Seattle series, I I don't really feel all that great about this team. Like, yeah, they won two of three, but Saturday they win one nothing. Like, you love to see Severino pitch that well, but you get one home run from Billy McKinney. That's the game. You know, against Seattle, you get dogged in the in the second game or the third game excuse me the first couple games the offense doesn't get going like this pitching is great this pitching is postseason ready the pitching I see at a championship level like we discussed last week but I, this lineup man I just they're not going to get it done and with judge out looking for an exp- extended time if they hold on to a wild card spot good for them but I I'm pretty I'm pretty I'm feeling the same way as last week which is tough considering they just won two series I think I'm feeling almost better than I was last week, Luke. I, th- I was sitting there. I was on my run earlier today, and I was sitting there, and I'm like, man, this lineup went healthy. And, and I'm, look- I'm looking in August or September. And, and the hope is, for-, for me at least, is that Judge can come back, you know, in September, give him a couple weeks of the regular season, and then be there for the playoffs. You could start with Glaber Torres, who's been who's a nice piece to have had that double in the first in it was the, a bonehead yeah that was a that that double and then he's an idiot oof. i think I, yeah, you're I out on torres you're done I, I don't want to be out on him i love his bat but man the, the laziness in the field the dumb decisions on the base path yankees haven't given him an extension yet like i wonder if that's a piece they dangle out uh, at the trade deadline well let's let's just say it's glaber and then you got judge that behemoth that that beautiful man with the big toe in the powerful bat. Then you go in and sprinkle in a little Anthony Rizzo. He had a nice little nice little weekend for himself, right? After Rizzo, bang. Stanton, bang. Bader. Then DJ, who's had a nice little four extra base hits in the last couple of games. He's your your uh, your six hitter. 
Then you bring in the catcher and Volpe, and then oh, I don't know who else you don't got. forget Josh Allen. Well, Josh Allen's in my in my Josh Allen, who will be playing. playing a lot of games. He's not playing in my machinations of it, so it works out. I look, I I think it's a nice idea that you have, and we saw it yesterday. But I just don't think it's consistent enough. Like it's it's it hasn't been consistent enough for me. Yeah, you're not wrong, and and I'm also I don't know. I feel very positive about this team. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why. I don't know. I really, I really don't know. I don't know. But like, I, I don't know how you can't watch the first two games of that Rangers series and not want to just take a melon baller and just shove it into your eye socket and then remove your eye. Like, that's how I feel when I watch this offense. Like, again, I love the pitching. Even when Cole didn't pitch well, Everino stepped it up on Saturday. But I just, I feel so bad about this lineup right now. We'll see. Like, they're going to go play Oakland for these next three games and then St. Louis. These are two of the worst pitching teams in the MLB. If they're not putting up five plus runs in these games, then I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, like I'm definitely right at that point because I just I don't trust them. Yeah, I mean, I I can't argue with you there. I just, I mean, you could argue. I mean, try, you, you, you said you felt good about the team. No, I, I mean, you can team, feel but. bad about it. I'll, I'll allow it. But on the flip side, like, Stan, like is Stan going to struggle and hit 100 the entire season? He did last year. He didn't struggle that bad. He hit like two ten. That's last not 100. Year. Okay, but it's in the same ballpark. Like, I here's the thing, your your scenario is all well and good. You know, judge comes back in September. They're going. I don't think. I don't know if they're going to be in the second. They're if they're going to be in the wild card in September if Judge isn't back. Look, I, like right now they're a half game up on Toronto, half game up on Houston, a game up on the Angels, three games up on the Red Sox. Like I, there's a lot of teams in the mix there that you know. Yes, Houston hasn't been healthy, but they're only a half game back if they get Alvarez back before judge then they're probably a better team than the Yankees like I I just they're not in a great if they're up four games right now on the wild card sure but there's just so it just gets messy I just I imagine at some point before the all-star break all the the five dudes that are slumping two or three of them will be out of their slump and then Bader's I think Bader might carry this team for the for the next couple weeks like that dude every time he's at the he's just a special player at this point like he's not the when he's playing he's super special and I think that's a guy that really can rally a team. I think Stanton's going to have to find it. I think that little RBI single that he had to help the Yankees get that win last night puts him in a right place, you know, and moving forward. And I just don't believe those guys are all sub 200 hitters. They, they could be, I, but I just don't buy. I just, I think we had this conversation a month no, ago. No, we did. And, and we can move like, on to something else. If, if they like. get out of their slump, okay, they're, they're, they haven't got out of their slump yet. So we have these flashes where it's like, oh, maybe, but I'm, I'm feeling very cynical right now. Still, yep. still, I'm sorry. I don't want to be that guy. Like I feel like people are acting. Well, you're acting like I'm rooting against the team. I'm not. I never said I just, that. Uh, well, you text me and you're like, oh, like you must be mad or. Whatever. Oh yeah, I did I'm say just it. like, I'm, I did say I'm mad. I want them to win. I just don't think they're that good right now. Well, I've got two things for you. One, Carlos Rodon coming back next. It seems like it's next week, so you'll get to see him possibly. Maybe that's the hope. Uh, and also, can you explain? I might go mustache to 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 look like him. You know, you should really I think welcome you can pull him off the mustache. I the trick with the mustache, Luke. I'll give you inside facial hair here. The trick with the mustache is you cannot go clean shaven with the rest of the beard. It's got to be a little stubble, a little stubble, and the yeah, mustache. Yeah, you, you looked like you. You looked like you hang out at elementary schools last week. So that I don't know if I want that Take advice. That back. My mustache <laughs> I don't know. is beautiful. It looks nice now, but last week. Whew. You think last week it was raw? You didn't like it? I told you off the rip I didn't like your mustache. You didn't like it? No. Wait, was that, is that like legitimately not a good look? 
I mean, you do you, buddy. No, like let's let's like let's talk about it because you guys didn't tell me the 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 white Nets hat was a good look until after I stopped it was a bad look until after I stopped wearing it. Like let's talk. I don't think it's a bad look. I just I think you look better with the with more of a completed look to your beard. All right. I here's the problem. I think when the handlebar starts leaking down and it's short on the sides, that's where we get into a little bit of a dangerous So how far do I, should I go like here? Yeah, like somewhere so in that keep it tight area. up top. Okay, okay. Just a little bit. All tighter. right. I, you know what? Honestly, I, I hadn't done the mustache in a while. I wasn't sure. <laughs> Getting a text from our, our good friend uh, and frequent viewer, uh, Pat, talking about my mustache. Um, but I think the issue is I haven't grown the mustache in a while. So I didn't know where to cut it, and I, I went too low. And that's on me. I'll fix it, and I'll make it better for next time. Um, can you explain sabermetrics to me and Josh Donaldson? So, like, okay. guy stinks, right? But there's a couple yes. of stats that I, I that I think Aaron Boone was mentioning. He's barreled 7 of 35 batted balls. That's 20% of them. And he's got a 51.4% yes. hard hit rate. Why is he not yes. getting on base? Like, what, like what is happening? And a 4.5-degree launch angle, which is not good. So, like... Well, what does this mean? Apparently, the launch angle seems to be the sticking point um, because he's hitting the ball hard. A barrel is a ball hit over 95 miles per hour. So he's hitting the ball hard. I think the Yankees are worried that – what is it? It's a 4.5-degree yeah. launch angle. Is he too low or too high? That's, that's <laughs> I guess too that's low. my question. Is his launch angle? That is his launch angle. Oh, yeah. That's very – okay, that's very low. So so he's hitting the ball hard, but he's not hitting it in the air, which is resulting in outs, I, I think would be the the rationale there, which is fine. You can find those stats for a lot of players, but if he's not hitting the ball in the air, he's not hitting home runs, that's where he loses his value. Because if he's hitting like 200, but he's hitting home runs, I think the Yankees give it a pass. But because he's not lifting the ball, because he's not hitting home runs, I think that's where where the problem lies. Yeah. All right, thank you for explaining it to me. Uh, we got some breaking hockey news, Luke. Okay, am I going to care about it? I think you will. Taylor Hall. Yes, okay. Devil's legend. Mm, moving Sabres on legend. from, and the Sabres legend is right, moving on from the Bruins to the Chicago Blackhawks. Really? Well, that, yeah. is, that is very interesting. It sounds like a, a salary cap dump of sorts from the Bruins, They, which is, it's interesting because Taylor Hall took six mil a year to you know, less to go to the Bruins and now it gets traded. So that is a very surprising kind of, when you look at it that way, it's interesting, but I'm a big Taylor Hall guy. I think I would have liked the Islanders to make a move for him and see if the Bruins would have ate some salary. Maybe they take back a Josh Bailey type who's only got one year left on his deal, but I think Taylor Hall can play. He's a really good winger. He took less to be in Boston and he just didn't really quite live up to it and they're in a bit a bit of a cap crunch so that's why he gets moved uh nice piece for bedard to play with in uh chicago yeah that's that's actually interesting i mean it's fascinating because i know it's not you know taylor star hall is what now a good player is he a great player he's not a star obviously no he's not a star but he probably should be getting paid a little more like he's probably like a seven million dollar guy or he's probably like a six million dollar guy which is what he's getting paid but the, the dumb hockey brain that people have, you, you think he would get be, be uh, getting paid more. Right. Okay. So, cause my whole thing is I'm kind of comparing this to basketball where I wonder, 
you know, do the Spurs start making some moves to surround their, you know, alleged general talent, generational talent guy with, you know, someone to play with. I know Taylor Hall is not a superstar. It's not like, you know, Chicago's forming a big three or anything, but it is interesting to see when the difference between a franchise that gets a generational number one compared to just like a normal one. Cause it feels like between Bedard and Wembenyama, there we go. You're getting generational talents and it's, it's interesting to see like when teams start, you know, surrounding them. So it's good for Chicago getting him, you know, someone to play with. And he, so Taylor had a 10 team, no trade, claw, uh, no trade list. So I guess he could have in theory had them on it and then waived it. I'm not too sure, but I'm going to also try to see, I, I don't know. Like he's a good player. He's a fine player, but he's nothing special. If that makes sense at this point. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's interesting. I, I know you just disregarded my comparison, but I thought it was interesting. I'm, honestly, I'm trying to find his, his stats. That's why I was not listening to you. Okay, it can't be that difficult. Uh, he really had 36 can't. points in 61 games this season. And okay, then he so had eight points in seven back. games in the playoffs. Okay. So he's not what he was once upon a time. Uh, the season before last, he was a 61-point player in 81 games. But he's not going to be putting up 90-plus. Like No, the, he'll probably be like a 60, maybe 70-point player. He also wasn't playing okay, in the top line. Like That's where so you see a nice big player. difference. Okay, he's a nice player. He's been wow. He's been in the league a lot longer than I thought. Yeah. What? He's thirty-one. Yeah, he came in at nineteen. That's wild. Did yeah. not know that. Another one of those uh, first overall picks. Uh, let's. You want to go to the next? You want to get to some hockey or some? That's I, basketball, rather. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm good on hockey, but I'd love to talk yeah. basketball. So uh, there's a little. There's a couple of things to get to, and we kind of teased it at the top of the show. Derek Rose, his options not picked up, and. It's kind of interesting, and I don't know how basketball works. You have to match salaries when you're over a certain salary threshold, right, to get guys in. Yeah. Yes. And with that, you don't pick up his options. So now there's less guys you can move to match match salary with if you're going to make a big trade. But I don't think it's as big of a a deal as it could be because you've got some pieces that are making a lot of money, right? Fournier's making 18.5. Mitch Robinson's making almost 16. Isaiah Hartenstein is making 9.2. So you could, there is a way where you can move those pieces. And one of the big names that was kind of mentioned was Paul George. If you're bringing in Paul George, you're probably trading Julius Randle. So that right there helps a lot as well. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about it. I think what one interesting aspect of this is by dumping Derrick Rose, like that's, you know, 15 mil you, you can play around with now. And I think there's a lot of really interesting kind of secondary or tertiary pieces the Knicks could go out and get because they need shooting. So it depends. But like, you know, Jordan Clarkson has a player option that he could decline and become a free agent. I mean, Chris Middleton is going to be on the market. Like there are some names out there that, you know, Karis LeVert, maybe I'm not saying these are, you know, all-star level players. You know, they've got to sign Josh Hart back. There's, there are some interesting pieces they could go out and get outside of, you know, the Paul George. I think Dante DiVincenzo would be a nice mix for them. Like, get another Villanova guy, three-point shooter, good on defense. Like, there are options for the Knicks to go out there and use this money in a non, you know, a non-superstar way that also can improve the team. So, like, could they have picked it up, kept him on the bench, and, you know, use it as a trade piece? Sure. But if there's no guarantees, and to be honest, like, if Paul George is the only name out there that's, like, possibly going to get moved to Knicks. I think I'm okay with, you know, letting D Rose go and, and filling up the roster in other yeah, ways. I'm there with you. You know, you're still looking at a guy like Josh Hart. So he's got his extension would be $13 million for his option, but he might not sign that. He's still got the deadline that they just extended to Thursday. 
And and I agree. Like that's a really good point, Luke. I didn't quite think of it. There's still a lot of pieces that the Knicks could go after. And there's actually a pretty interesting story in the Athletic. Fred Katz wrote uh, free agents the Knicks could pursue at the mid level exception. You didn't mention the mid level exception, right? No, okay. I didn't. I don't. NBA contracts. Yeah. So Bruce Brown could be an option. You did say Dante DiVincenzo. He's a, a kind of guy that would be in the mix and in the conversation. Uh, let's see. Anyone else ring a bell? Uh, Utah, Juan, Watanabe. No, these guys are all very meh. Tory Craig, I don't know who that is. <laughs> Joe Ingles. Okay. He's 36. He's been hurt. No. Yeah, I don't know about Seth that. Seth Curry would yeah, be a nice piece. That. That'd be a fun guy to have. You love Seth Curry. He's, a, he's, a good, he's fine. I mean, look, these like could D'Angelo Russell be an option? No, he's getting paid a, a boatload of money, isn't he? Well, he's a free yeah, agent. I assume the Lakers but yeah, will pick he, him up. He made twenty nine million. Yeah, he's not taking a step year, back so yeah, from that. Probably, I can't imagine. Probably out of the out of the price yeah. range, but I mean, there are guys available, you know. So that that's basically my point. But I, if you were to go for Paul George, like I like this on the surface, but if it involves, you know, you have to get rid of Randall, I don't know because the one thing that Julius Randall does is he plays, and Paul George really doesn't play. He played fifty six games last year, thirty one the year before that, fifty four. The last time he played close to a full season was in twenty eighteen when he played seventy seven games for OKC. So I don't know if it's worth. You know, yeah, it's Paul George probably a better, you know, potential. I was going to say playoff performer, but the whole playoff P thing was a thing. But then he had a great playoffs followed up. So I think their ceiling could be higher with Paul George. But I just don't know if it's worth it for having a worse regular season. Because I think with Paul George only playing, you know, say 40 games in the regular season, you're costing yourself playoff seeding. Whereas with Julius Randle, you kind of are going to be slotted into probably a, a But how much does playoff seeding matter anymore when you've got – you, I mean, you saw the Lakers, a team that had no business I don't going that. on that run. I don't like. Do you think that. the Lakers and Heat? No, look, eight seeds aren't running to the conference finals frequently. But could a six seed do it at this point? Like, has has this past two season changed ex- your, your thoughts and your your kind of no. thinking on that? No, because I think the exception is that the Lakers had LeBron and Anthony Davis, and I guess the Heat. But I mean, the Heat have Jimmy Butler, and I mean, so yeah. I just good. You have to have a certain player or a certain cachet to do it. Like, if the Knicks did it. As an eight seed, I'd be way more impressed just because they don't have like you don't look at the Knicks and be like, okay, well, it's because Julius Randle was hurt. But then like, it's they're Paul not going to go on a championship run. If, I'm saying if you move yeah, into Paul I mean, George and you say, all right, he can give us 50 games, we're hopefully going to be a six seed, but now he's healthy for the playoffs, and, and it might not happen. Like but, he might not be. But when has Paul George ever elevated a team to championship level? It's never happened. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. But I think the, the the other interesting aspect of the Knicks is, you know, can they get anything for Obi Toppin at this point? Like that, I think that's the the another issue that they're going to have to deal with because audio or not, Matt, the role that Obi Toppin is in right now, it, it never really made sense. Like it never, I don't really know why the Knicks drafted him because Julius Randle had a good year, obviously, before they drafted him. We know how Tibbs plays, guys. Toppin's not going to play a ton of minutes, so I, I I wonder why that pick was made at the time. But also, I don't I don't I wonder what they can even get for him because they haven't played him a ton. Yeah, you see some flashes, but at the end of the day, he's not a great defender. His shooting is is very sporadic, so it, it's a weird situation to Luke, be. Luke, I got to call you fraud. You, you okay. wanted Obi Toppin to be in there when we did when we were doing our shows back in the day. I did like Obi Toppin. Look, I'll be honest. I'm very biased. I watched a lot of college basketball. He was very good at Dayton. Right. Like that's 
that's where my head was at at the and, time. So I'm sorry. And also, look, I think that was the year before Randall had his like insane year. So I think, you know, maybe I get a small pass. No, but I think the Knicks should also get a small pass. Like you didn't expect Julius Randall to be an All Pro caliber player. Yeah, the year before they drafted Obi, Randall was at 19 and a half points per game. He shot 27% from three, nine rebounds, three assists. The year after, 24 points, 31% from three, 10 rebounds, six assists. So, really, Obi Toppin might have elevated Julius Randall's play. So, maybe I've walked myself back into uh, the yeah. tape. And, look, like, Obi is it's interesting because you, you saw the audio leak and it was a big fight with him and, and Tibbs because he wasn't getting any playing time in the postseason specifically. You know, the idea is, okay, he's got to get moved, but now you bring in his his brother as an undrafted free agent. So where does that sort of rank? And, and I think I think you're kind of – you have to treat them as two separate entities and kind of two separate situations just because you talk about Obi's role. He's not a three. He's not a five. If Julius Randle – if he's not playing when Julius Randle's on the court, he's playing maybe five minutes a night, and that's, that's lucky. So it doesn't really make sense to keep him unless you're just getting absolutely nothing for him in in the draft or in um in a trade yeah i mean it's tough because again he hasn't played a ton he played 15 minutes a game last year seven points per game so it's like can a team extract that and say okay look if we play him 30 minutes a game maybe he's a 15 point per game guy but we don't know because he doesn't really get those long runs and i know down the stretch when randall was hurt he was putting up some decent numbers but you know it's against the charlottes of the world the washington's of the world like the teams that, you know, had nothing to be playing for at that point in the season. So I think the the Jacob Toppin move is a separate entity because they don't really have a reason to appease Obi. I don't really think. I mean, like, worst case, he demands a trade. Like, whatever. It's not going to completely hamper your franchise. So I think that was probably a separate move. I don't know if he's the player that's worth being like, hey, we brought your brother in who probably won't even be on the NBA team, but here he is. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think. But also, like, Obi's a nice piece to – he's, what, making 6 or $8 million this season? Like, that's a nice little piece to have in a, in a trade. And you talk about guys that are sort of of his ilk. It kind of reminds me of, like, a Cam Reddish type who didn't really get the runway he should have gotten in the Lancer or didn't get the runway he thought he should have gotten. And, you know, what is that worth to a team? Maybe a late – a heavily protected first-round pick, maybe a couple seconds. And for the Knicks, it's almost like you just want to get the – the salary off your books and try to see what value he could add to a rebuilding team, right? The jazz could use a guy like Obi Toppin, you know, talk about last year with the Donovan Mitchell kind of thing. Oh, get rid of him or Devin Booker thing. Not Donovan Mitchell. The Devin Booker thing. I, I, I caught myself there, Luke. Um, Devin Booker thing. Oh, wait, no, it is Donovan Mitchell. What, are you, what is going on right now? <laughs> you know how I don't remember who the jazz yeah. and the Suns and, and all those guys are. You don't know any of them. No, I, thought, I, I, I said Donovan, Mitchell, know Donovan Mitchell. Like we we do talk about him quite a bit on the show. Yeah, but the, but it's been so long. They're all the same person to me at this point. Okay, that could be construed. They're they're like Several. they're like nice two. They're good two guards. Like they're not like all all pro and be all whatever. I a nice two guard is a tough way to describe Devin Booker, but I'll let they're it really good two guards. No, is that what they are? <laughs> I, I mean, I think Devin Booker is a superstar, but I I, I mean. Whatever. He's in the I ilk with, with Don Mitchell. But I, 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 you know, I'll give you credit for this. I thought the Cam Reddish comparison was interesting because he keeps getting traded and teams keep getting value for him. So maybe Toppin's in that category. It's like, look, he, he was a great scorer in college. We can move a protector first form or whatever and, and try to and try to get something. All right. Before so I embarrass myself any further, Luke, let's, let's wrap it up. Uh, no show next week, but we might have one the week after. Is that what we're saying? Wow. 
Yeah, we'll have one the week after, but I was, you know, maybe a solo walling show, but no, it's, I, it's been look, I work six days next week. What do you want from me? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to see you in person. That's all I need. Right. I don't need to do a show. That's right. Uh, I'll see you soon, buddy. And if you missed the moment of the show, if you're watching us on Twitch here, you know, give us a follow at Wally Owens. You'll see us on TikTok, on Twitter, on Facebook, and follow our show or else you get your podcast. We'll catch you guys in a couple weeks. <laughs>